Amen. Thank you for that. Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Joel, chapter 2. If you can just go to, uh, like Ezekiel, then to Daniel, Hosea, then to Joel. It's the easiest way to find it. Or it could be one of the easy ways to find it. Uh, Joel chapter 2. We're going to begin reading in verse 18. We'll read responsively through verse uh, 27. Joel chapter 2 and verse 18. And shall we stand please for the reading of God's Word. Joel chapter 2. In verse 18, Then will the Lord be jealous for His land and pity His people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto His people, Behold, I send you corn and wine and oil, and ye shall be satisfied therewith, and I will no more make you a, pro a reproach among the heathen. But I will remove far off from you the northern army, and will drive him into a land barren and desolate, with his face toward the east sea, and his hinder part toward the utmost sea, and his stink shall come up, and his ill savor shall come up, because he hath done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I have sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. Uh, this is a great passage. Uh, notice it says that this army did great things. And then verse 21, the Lord will do great things. So let's look at the text. Um, this is very important, verse 25, And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. I want to talk about true, complete, biblical restoration. Uh, it's good news. Amen. Can't quantify it, but it's very, very real. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the message. We yield your spirit. Help us to understand salvation saved to the uttermost. Past, present, future. Everything that that pertains in time and eternity, from birth till death, till the new birth, on and on. We pray that we would contemplate these things, help us to believe it, reckon it so. We pray that we would see it come to pass 
we'd be able to testify the years of the right hand of the Most High. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. The years that the locust hath uh, eaten, I realize that doctrinally this applies to the nation of Israel. Uh, this is very prophetic. And we have uh, things that took place in the history of God's chosen Israel. And then we have a very important lesson for us on restoration that applies to every dispensation. So you have Israel rebelling and turning on God, forsaking the Lord. God brings a judgment of a great work. He unleashes this army of insects. Then we see the regathering of Israel back to the promised land. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is given when the New Testament church begins. And then we see the battle of Armageddon with the day of the Lord. Joel mentions all of these things. It's one of the great miraculous works of the Lord. And we really need to consider restoration. If you are saved and you name the name of Christ, you have all of salvation, not part of it, not some of it. When you think about somebody who got saved, their life changed, and we've said it through the years, they really got it. You know, we, we know what we mean by that. They got the victory, the power of God on their life, the resurrected life. But if you get it, you really get it. And you should want all of it. Now, what we're talking about, as I said, restoration is hard to quantify because it's measured in years past, energy spent, dollars, money spent, thoughts, emotions, all these different aspects of life that have already passed us by. But God says some way, miraculously, I believe it. I believe it happened in my life, uh, and it happens to everybody who really gets saved, is that God restores everything that the enemy has devoured. He not only destroys that, but He replenishes that. Excuse me. He restores it to us. So, I think I was talking about this with Brother Powell a while back. You know, when you think about life, if you're a thinker, all that you've done in your life, all of your childhood, was it wasted? Well, what did you do for God as a child? All of your upbringing, your education, all of the background, all the sufferings which you've endured, and then all the literal waste of time. You know, think of all the things we've done which were wasteful, harmful to our health, uh, just decades for some of us that was spent foolishly and in vain. God says miraculously, once you get saved, that He will restore everything that you lost. He'll restore all the time. I don't know how He does it. All the money you wasted, all the knowledge you would have gotten, all the doctrine you would have learned, all these things and aspects of your life that the enemy has attacked and devoured, God says He's going to restore it. So think about 
pure salvation, complete salvation. A lot of people limit this to, well, when I die, I'm not going to go to hell, I'm going to go to heaven. And that's all they really think about. I am saved, so when I die... I will go to heaven, and that is settled, and that is the hope of eternal life, the blessed hope, good news, the gospel, that's what it means, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. But real salvation means you're saved to the uttermost. Now follow me. That means God forgave you of every offense. Every sin you've ever committed has been forgiven. Past, present, future, it's all under the blood, praise the Lord. It's just just as if you never sin. That ought to make you shout and run the aisles right there and uh, make you smile. All of your sins have been forgiven. Not only that though, and a lot of us don't believe this, that means that God heals all the damage that sin brought into your life and the curse. So, all of the, the wounds, all the things from the past, all of the trials, the setbacks, the problems, the failure, the, the embarrassments of life, the shame of life, all these different things. God says He will heal us of all those things. So you have a lot of people, they just want the hope of not going to hell, but they don't want real salvation. And what is it? Real salvation is God's going to forgive all your sin and He's going to heal you. And you can take it as far as you want to. The Bible says that He healeth us of all our diseases. By His stripes we are healed. We realize that Christ uh, became our sin on the cross and vicariously died in our place. But there are spiritual principles that carry over. Do you believe in complete restoration? Or will you limit yourself by limiting God by thinking that God can only do what a man can do? Will you limit yourself? Next, God's going to cleanse us from the, the defilement, the shame, the filth, the blot on our record. All of those wicked things that sin brought into our life, think about it, were completely cleansed. It's just fuller soap, whiter than the driven snow. Think about that. But then we think about the past. Now, a lot of people bring their past into the present, and then it ruins their present, and that destroys their future too. All of us, though, have a past. All of us have a bad past to some degree. All of us have regrets and remorse and waste, and not just for a short passing while. Many people have wasted a great portion of their life. If, if the truth were be known, many people have wasted decades of their life that they could have fervently served the Lord with zeal. So, think about all the money you lost. You know, and I, I was, you know the old saying, you'll be kicking yourself? Yeah. Um, so, I'm giving some great advice to everyone out there. I don't know the exact number. I learned this when it was too late for me. That if you'll save, it was only $100 over a short period of time, you'll be a multimillionaire when, by the time of retirement. 
not in this economy. Uh, but in, in a thriving economy where real estate doubles every 20 years, 8 to 10% interest on your money in the bank, these types of things. If from the time you got your first job when you're 16, if you were to just save a certain amount so often, you would be set in America. No longer the case. We are seeing the decline of the civilization of the greatest nation on earth before our very eyes. So what is the greatest miracle? To give you the hope of the future? It is, but what about restoring your past? It's, it's really an amazing thing to think about. And this word restore means friendly reciprocation, and it means God will make peace with restitution. Not only will He just give you a fresh start, praise the Lord. That's good in itself, right? The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. He gives us a fresh start when we come to Christ through simple faith. But not that's not good enough. That's not complete salvation. The Bible says that He will turn back, and the word means to turn back, proving a state of, in time that was wasted. So, remember, in some laws, they were to restore fourfold. Like if somebody were to rob somebody or steal, they would give back what they stole plus four times in uh, restitution. God says He will restore that to a previous time. We really can't quantify it. Difficult to explain. Most people will never believe this or accept it, but it is true. God will restore, notice this, not what the locusts ate. He will restore the years. I believe it. The years that the locusts ate in your life. Now, one day is with the Lord, a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. But the Bible says He will give us length of days and long life that miraculously you could live longer than 24 hours in a literal 24-hour period as the time ticks on the clock, and you could be restored years that you wasted. Years that the enemy attacked beyond your control. You know, I've kind of thought that where we live uh, hasn't rained good really in 20 years. 25 years, the land is depleted, the wildlife is suffering, the predators are turning on the game because of the ecological system, and that's what happens. The coyotes always turn on the deer when there's no mice or rabbits, and it won't rain, and the fish all died, and the rivers died up, and all the springs aren't flowing and bubbling like they're supposed to. Someday, somebody's going to reap that. They're going to get the restoration, I believe, of those 20 wasted years uh, of uh, rank eight points. 
of a spindly basket rack, eight points. Um, something's going to change. God's going to work a miracle. Do we believe it? Do we receive it? Will we think this is some charismatic fantasy, or will we simply believe the Word of God? God says He will restore the years that were taken from you. You know, when, when some, uh, it could go either way. When a woman gets mad at a man and she says, you stole my youth, hey, you stole mine too. <laughs> uh, it goes both ways. But, you know, all these things we lost, that old song, I lost all that sin gave me. You know, how about I'm getting back all that sin took from me? You know, we always look at it in a negative way. We need to have our heads held high. When you look at the, st the stages of this, very simple. Something we possessed, it was right there within our grasp. We were living it. We had the opportunity, the potential. Something came into our life beyond our control, could be our own fault, and we suffered loss. We, all that which we possessed was taken away. All the benefits and the blessings and the abundance and the glories of God and the, the, the life that He wants us to live was taken from us. Mercilessly, sadly, it was very callous, no compassion. And then what happens? God says, I will restore unto you what you lost. Now, do you believe it or not? This is where you got to get your mind in the Word of God. You can't be basing what you believe on what, the, what you see, what the media tells you, uh, what is popular. Will we believe the Word of God? Because God is so great. He's in the restoration business. He's in the restoration. Not like we think about in uh, architectural salvage or something like that. God's going to restore not just your life. Not just what was taken from you, but the year, literal years that were taken from you. Psalm 23, 3. He restoreth my soul. If God doesn't restore, it's not good enough just to start fresh and move on. We need restoration of what was taken from us. Psalm 51, 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Amen. Some of the greatest miracles of Christ is when He restored the withered hand. People who had hands and they couldn't move their limbs and He would just speak it miraculously, usually on the Sabbath, to make the Pharisees mad or whatever reason. Uh, and we know why. But He restored. Mark 9, 12 said, When Elias has come, He shall restore all things which was John the Baptist was a prefigure, and then Moses and Elias coming as the, uh, the witnesses. He will restore all things. Not just forgive and give us a fresh start. He will give us the, the greatness of what was originally intended for us to have. So God was very angry with Israel. They rejected the word. They went after idols, false prophets. St 
stoned God's true men and uh, prophets that he sent unto them. What did he do? He sent this northern army of uh, locusts. And it was an army of northern invaders. This relates to the battle of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39 when Russia and her allies will invade Israel from the north. These past events relating to prophetical certain events which are soon to come. And when these creepy crawlers came, notice, wasn't just for one spring. It wasn't just for a while. It was for years. Years. And they would eat and eat and consume and consume and destroy. And they were in different stages of the growth and the larvae and the metamorphosis in different stages. And it was so horrific and so destructive that there were parts of the metamorphosis existing all the time. And we'll talk about that. Uh, just briefly, I don't know a whole lot about that, but I did study it some. So the sad reality of life is what? Loss. You know, the next time you're really hurt and sad and you've lost something or someone or some anything and you're beginning to feel sorry for yourself, you better remind yourself loss is a part of life. Now, we, we feel sorry for you, we grieve with you, we hurt for you, we pray for you. But when you begin to think you're the only one, when you begin to think, woe is me, this has never happened to anybody else, we need to be reminded, life really is loss. We lose our health, we lose our youth, we lose our money, we lose a lot of things in life, we lose our energy, we lose our... Uh, emotional stress, uh, you know, our zeal we put into life as time passes. We lose things. That's what it is. But praise the Lord, God restores the loss. Your youth, your health, your time, you can never get back without a miracle. Your friends, your loved ones, your family goes on before you. Your investments that did not come to fruition. The struggles, the failures of life. All the things you could have done for God, but you didn't. All the things you wish you'd have done for God, but you didn't. The loss. Now, it is personal, because we made the decision. But the other hand, it's not personal, because everybody loses. You know, however many football games there are today, ties stupid. I, I hate ties, but somebody, half of them ought to lose, and they'll just play till one of them wins. But somebody's going to lose. And Paul said, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. I know how to suffer gain, and I know how to suffer all things for law or as loss, count them as loss. So when we think about the historical significance of this passage, this has already happened. There was a time of great, great plagues of insects that devoured all the crops. You know, you think about somebody who, modern technology, good farmland, 
you have the money and the, the uh, ability to do it and you plant and if there's not enough for the deer and the rabbits to eat they're going to be on it as soon as it sprouts they're going to pluck it they're going to sprout it and most of the time they have to build a fence around it is that economically feasible is it worth it in the end but just think about just just say what's happened to us 20 years of no good rain and then plagues of locusts eating literally everything inside all the trees are bare every plant is bare not only that they're not just eating the leaves they're eating the stems they're eating all the branches all the succulent growth they've eaten all the succulent growth now they're eating all the the hardwoods the bark they're doing everything they can to survive this has already happened think about how they must have felt think about the financial ruin Think about the starvation and the poor health of the, the little babies and the children. Absolutely nothing to eat. Nothing will grow, and it won't even rain on top of that. Now, this is all a prophetical picture, as we mentioned of Israel's judgment, turning on God, rebelling against His Word, sending Israel into captivity, becoming the off-scouring of all nations, belittled, ridiculed, persecuted. The church age beginning on the day of Pentecost and Peter preached and said this is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. Then the day of the Lord, the second coming of Christ, the battle of Armageddon, and Israel will be restored. It's going to become a flourishing green land, unbelievably fruitful and productive. God will restore all that they lost. So this doctrine of restoration, yes, it is literal. I believe it's literal. Yes, it is also spiritual, which is spiritual is just as literal as literal, depending on how you look at it. But think about this horrible, utter destruction. The army from the north, the invaders of death. Now, some of you can relate. You know, you say, none of the businesses I ever tried worked out very good. Most of the endeavors I got involved with just never really produced anything. A lot of my friendships didn't really amount to much, weren't very deep, didn't help me at all serve God. A lot of the money I've spent just seemed like I wasted it. You know, and I've said it, I, I might have had more fun if I'd have just lit it on fire and at least I'd have watched it burn. Just waste and uh, just projects and work and time and our heartfelt efforts. No profit. How do you think Israel felt? And we, we need to always go back to the. If you look in chapter 1, verse 2, he talks about ask the old men who are old enough to remember what it's supposed to be like. And see, that's what some of you don't do right. You don't ask your parents and your grandparents. You don't ask them what America used to be like and the way it should still be today. You don't ask the old preachers who are old enough to have seen the older preachers who have already gone to heaven what it was like and still should be like. 
said, go to the old men. Don't ask the young people because they don't know any better. They have, they have been conditioned to mediocrity of a low standard of life. In America, Christianity, every form and fashion. In the family, society, all these things. You know, when I was a kid, I was afraid to not come to a complete stop at a stop sign or they'd give you a ticket. Now just look what they do. They pull up, look, just... They know they're not going to get in trouble, most of them. It's not even, it's not even worth trying to keep the law uh, to, to these type people. So then what does he say? Tell your children. Get to the old people. Let them tell you the way it was, the way it should be. Then tell the children. Most people today, though, they're going to the children and then telling the children, we're going to change the old people. That's what's happening. So you have this utter destruction. The judgment of the insects in different stages of development. I've only seen this once, or maybe twice. It was in Oklahoma, just across the Red River. We'd visit my grandparents on vacation when we were young. Plague of locusts came in. Uh, I mean, they ate literally every leaf on every plant. The earth was moving. You couldn't step without stepping on them. You talk about finding easy fishing bait. You just grab them. I mean, it's the easiest. Those big ones that bite you and spit tobacco juice, we'd call it. They, they, and uh, just they were everywhere. I mean, ate on every leaf on every tree. My grandmother had rose bushes, ate everything down to the earth. A literal plague. Most people have no idea. And that was nothing compared to what Israel went. This went on for years and years and years. So... In the stages of this, and some say it's not a complete metamorphosis of these type of locusts. Some say there is. But there was no rest, no respite, total consuming. So in chapter 1, you have the list in this order. Palmer worm, locust, canker worm, caterpillar. These are the stages of the development of this, what we would call a caterpillar, as it begins to develop into what we would call a grasshopper or a type of a locust. So you have the palmer worm creeping but no wings. The locust basically is a swarm where they come in in large numbers. The canker worm is the young locust in the earlier stage. And then the caterpillar is the crawling thing, creepy thing, but it's not winged as yet. That's the earliest. So you have the egg and the hopper and the adult stages. It's really not a complete metamorphosis, but it is in stages. And it mentions all of these earlier stages in life, now that Israel has suffered utter and complete loss, that God now will restore not just what the caterpillar ate, but the years that the caterpillar ate. Amen. Do we believe it or not? Or the locust. So, usually, follow me, when there's a plague of insects, it just runs its course and it's over. Like, uh, sometimes we have army worms, these little bitty brown worms, 
And then you know when you see all those yellow butterflies that the army worms molted or turned into these uh, yellow but you know and sometimes it becomes a devastating plague sometimes there's these pink butterflies um, a, a few weeks ago when it rained something molted these strange mayfly looking creatures they at sundown, they came alive. By sunset, I mean by sunrise, they were all dead. And my back porch had them that thick. These things, just they, they came alive. They died by sunrise. Normally, it runs its course. Now, these locusts were in every stage of their process of growing for years. Years. Not one spring, not one summer. Years. Ate everything. Every season of the year, there were always more of them coming. And normally when you'd have the final stage of the locust, you know, there wouldn't be any more of the, uh, what we would call a caterpillar. No, there was more coming. So, what does the Bible say? When this happens to you, take responsibility. Call a fast. Humble yourself. Chapter 1, verse 14. The Bible says the meat was cut off. The seeds were rotten under the clods. You've never seen that, where the seeds rot rather than germinate. The beasts were groaning. They were so hungry out in the field. They were making all sorts of terrible noises. And it says the heathen were mocking, railing, persecuting the people of God. How could you be the people of God? It won't even rain on your land. What type of God is that when you've got all these locusts eating up everything you've tried to plant and produce? So God then says, the day of the Lord will come. And God in His righteous judgment will come with ten thousands of His saints to fight the battle of Armageddon. We know this is after the rapture. He likens another invasion to the army. And He will do a great work. And He'll call all the nations into Armageddon and set the battle in array. And it says He will sit and judge the nations. Also mentioned in Matthew 25. So what will happen? He will forgive and He will restore. Now, there's a lot of people who only want future benefits. They only want future. And what I mean by that is you have a point in time where you'll proceed forward. They only think about God deals with them and blesses them and works miracles from this point in time forward. But what does the Bible say? He will restore. I say it again. You can't add this up mathematically. You can't fully explain it logically and rationally. And it is invisible in some ways, but in others it's manifested, very evidently set forth, that if you will get right with God and stay right with God, and you will repent and turn wholly to the Lord, that He will use his miraculous power to heal your past, to bless your future by enhancing your present, and He will literally restore 
not just what the locusts ate, the years. Now, if I look at my life, I was trying to remember how many I wasted a lot. I'm very sad about it. And I, I get I get mad about, about it a lot. You know, I'll think, and I'll, I can't believe that I had to do that and go through that, and that was a big waste of time. I can't believe all that happened to me. If you're a thinker, every once in a while, you'll think that way. If you want to produce. Now, what did God say? He will forgive all your sin, past, present, future. Praise the Lord. He will heal you of all that sin has damned. Now, this isn't a, a, a instantaneous thing. That's why you have to, do you think years are going to go by and then he's, you're going to get away with it? You have to prove yourself by being faithful for years. Years. You know, a lot of people try it for a while, experiment, doesn't work out their way, so they quit and turn back. This, is, this isn't a magic formula. This is for those who love God. They made their mind up. I have decided to follow Jesus. And I'm not turning back. Now, when you do this, He heals you. You know, all the, the, the human body can take a lot of abuse. But eventually, it catches up to you. Now, do we believe God's going to restore what the locusts ate? Do we believe that? Then He's going to cleanse us from all this, the guilt, the shame, the contamination. We will be white as snow. There will not be one blot on our record, praise the Lord. It's just as if we never sinned. Then we have the future hope of glory. He that believeth in me shall never die, right? We have the hope of eternal life. And then will we accept the complete salvation, which is what? Restore. I accept. You say, well, that just seems too good to be true. Well, then don't take it. That just seems too much. I can't believe that would happen. Well, Limit God to your limitations then. Or do you believe, and I can't explain it, I think when you get saved, God gives you all the time you lost. Somehow, some way. And He will, of course, in eternity. I think He gives you all the money you lost. Somehow, some way. All the possessions you destroyed. Somehow, some I don't know how. All the true friendships that you lost, which were not friendships. We know that for a lot of people who are users and abusers. And all the knowledge you lost. And all the doc, you know, I, call me simple-minded, but I believe I know more Bible now as much as I would have known if I hadn't wasted five years of my life. I think I know more. You know why? God restored it. I think I have way more money than I would have. God restored it. I think I have better health than I had. God restored it. I think all these miracles God will work in our life if we believe it. He could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Will we let God be God? That's the question. So, what does he say he'll do? He, in Acts 2.20, he'll remove it far off. 
not just a short distance away, far off. He'll bring the captivity of Judah. Israel will be brought back to the Holy Land. He will gather all nations to fight at the Battle of Armageddon. You can't, I say it again, fully comprehend it. You can't fully explain it. You can't really quantify it, but it's true. God will restore. So you say, what about those people that didn't happen? Well, that's, that's between them and God. You either get it or you don't. And if you believe in true salvation, which it says, we are saved to the uttermost. You're not just saved. You're saved. You're so saved, God changed your past. That's how saved you are if you're saved. You're so saved, not only you have a great future, God saved, changed your past and restored all that sin gave me. No, all that sin stole from me. No, all the locusts ate up. And, no, not that. The years. The years. So how old are you? You know, the old saying, age is a, it's a state of mind. And it is in some ways. But, you know, no matter how old you are, God can miraculously restore the years. He will miraculously restore the years. Praise the Lord. All right, let's pray. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Once you think about what was said, this is a little bit difficult to explain. I want you to yield to the Holy Spirit. We need to become aware of loss. We need to become aware of damage and destruction. We need to become aware of time passing. It's very precious and fleeting. We need to become aware of the enemy and attack and the, the damage that they have afflicted to God's people. And you just start thinking about all the time, all the years, all the waste, all the damage that the devil did and God allowed it, that northern army to teach us Bible truth and salvation that God is so great He not only can change your future He can change your past and that will change your present and that will change your future. The years that the locusts have eaten, they've done a lot of damage. Praise the Lord. He will restore fully, and not just that, with restitution, with a friendly reciprocation. What an amazing, forgiving, loving, powerful God. Not a just the second chance. He's not just giving us a second chance for the future. He's giving us a, a changed past. That's why you can hold your head up high and smile and not be ashamed and have confidence in Him. How many of you would say, first of all, you just contemplate this, you'd yield to the Holy Spirit in thinking about restoration? Would you please raise your hand? 
Amen. All right. And then would you ask the Lord to reveal this to you? How does this apply to your life in years that have gone by, health that has been taken from you, money that has been taken from you? possessions, things that you've lost, increase, productivity, and then ask the Lord to show you how this applies. And let's all tell God we don't want to limit Him to our limitations. The just shall live by faith. I accept my restoration. I accept it right here and now, the best way I know how, by faith. I accept my restoration. I'm going to pray. We're going to have an invitation. Our Father, we pray that you'd bless our church, uh, heal us, forgive us, work, reveal thy will, help us to understand thy greatness and the doctrine of restoration. You not just restore what the locusts have eaten, but the years the locusts have eaten. Help us to see how this applies. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you'd like to come pray.